You were doing what? I was just hanging the washing. <laughs> I just put everything. Don't tell Josephine. I just chuck everything in on the shortest, lowest temperature, so and it all I... looks fine. Nobody's ever said anything. <laughs> I, I've got, I've, I've got a fifteen-minute cycle, right? And it spins at eight hundred afterwards, and you do a ten-minute spin after that. That's all I do. Really? It seems just, to wash everything exactly the same way. Just freshening up, isn't it? That's I don't. I don't. Exactly. All these different cycles, I have no idea if it makes any sodding difference. It should just be a button on it that says wash. That's it, isn't it? Just wash the clothes. That is. That is all you need. It's just a big button that says wash. Well, on a tumble dry, it's just dry, isn't it, really? I know there's different features on it, but anyway. Is it all, uh, is everyone's half terms? No. For one. There's only only half term now if you've got a private in it. No. 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 Senon's on for week one of two weeks half term for a primary school, and then Ruben's off for two weeks from next week. So I've got three weeks of half term. That's outrageous. But just send them in. We've just got one week next week. It's, it's crazy. What, why do you need, why does a primary school child need two weeks half term in October? I just think it's mad. Oh, I don't two weeks half term anyway. What's the point? Half term is one week. Not hit, no, not Obviously for, not. Not, not for Kingsdale, not for, King, uh, not for Ruben's school and not for Senna's school. Harris. Ru- Ru- Ruben's two always weeks. had uh, two weeks in October ever since ever since he's been there. So this is the third year. And this is the first year that Seddon's primary school has got two weeks. Which council is it? Uh, Southwark. Uh, Wandsworth, it's one week. Yeah, one, one, week, in, one week in H&F. I've never oh, heard yeah. of that. I'm quite shocked by that. I thought what? just the privates have two weeks. No, no, no. Does Nive have two weeks? She does, yeah. Harris Academies go. have two weeks. There you go. I'd, I'd ban it all, to be honest. I did a quick calculation back of the fag packet because kids have 12 and a half weeks off. So why not just work them a little less hard and just be don't have half terms at all? Welcome to the school holiday podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> For the love of school holidays. I, well, I don't know. Not, I just apparently. Don't... Apparently, there's the... no, no. Well, no, there's no me... love for the school holidays. <laughs> tell me. I just want to know. What, what's the point of a half term? We so don't have answers for this. On a holiday. I know what you think about it. That's all. Go cycling. Well, go cycling. <laughs> I mean, let's. To be fair, we don't have answers for cycling either. So it's not. It, this podcast might as well be about school holidays because we're as learned on school holidays as we are on road cycling. <laughs> well, I should say you are listening to For the Love of Pog, a podcast mainly about cycling and not about education term times, school term times. I am here. Hooray. Hooray. Ros is here. Hooray. Andy is here. Hooray. And Stuart Thanks is here. I'm, I'm on our four. <laughs> four, four. Four. The whole four for the love of Pog. And we are, we're going to look back, aren't we? We're going to look back, look back at Il Lombardia, uh, Rate of the Falling Leaves, uh, the fifth and final monument of the season, and our beloved Pog, who took a marvellous, I would say, and swashbuckling victory. Yeah. But before we do that, Three of us did meet up beforehand to record a little podcast extra. Now, after a little bit of bickering, they did manage to work out what they were doing. So we're out. A total of nothing happened then. We're out. press record and nothing happened. No, no, it's fine. I know, I know, but we... we, we, There was no noise. None of us said anything. But we're ready to... I'm just... We're we're about to... We're on. We're live. We're on. We're on live. We're live. We're live and out and about. Yeah. Three members of Four the Lug of Pog. Andy's here. Yeah, I am, yeah. I... Stu's here. I'm here. Lawrence is here. Hey. Oh, no, Lawrence. I mean, you know, where's Matt? Lycra Lawrence. Where, well, I am in Lycra. 
I am in Lycra. I have cycled here. I cycled for an hour. Right. I did a city city crit ride around London, which was nice. I basically went on cycle paths for most of the time, which I haven't done, which is quite good. But also city Saturday London, still a stupid amount of traffic. A lot of traffic and a lot, a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I it, went through south southeast London. You came on your bike. I went through the C7. The C7. I had to go down the old Kent Road about 200, 200 metres. That wasn't nice. But you're taking the, you know, both in your shorts, T-shirts, look, looking a bit more relaxed, a bit more chill. A bit more chill. It's a leisurely ride. Leisurely ride. Very good. Take it easy. And we're on Maltby Street Market. Maltby Street Market. In, in um, Birmingham. It's, it's, it's buzzing. Yeah, very buzzing. buzzing. The only bikes we can see are ours, though. That's true. Yeah. We didn't really want to leave the bikes locked up because in this day and age... They might not be locked up for long. No. Especially in London. And we're, we're very far away from the cycling action which has happened this afternoon, which none of us have stayed in to watch. We've all just come out, uh, which is Il Lombardia. Stu doesn't know where that is. Lombardia. What, it is, it, what, what is the race? Uh, we have no idea what's going on. It was ROG plus Everybody. event pole plus POG. POG's in. It was a three, a three-way. I actually did catch a glimpse of it before I came out and... Event oh no, pole. don't say anything. No, no well, can okay. I just give you. Well, he had crashed, uh, okay. but he was back on. He was back on. So that's the drama that may, may unfold. Um, well, doesn't he crash and win usually? Well, let's, crashes and wins. Well, let's give some predictions. You know, we're not, we obviously haven't got a clue what's happening. Uh, we haven't got access to the screen. I couldn't put it on my phone, but I'm not going to. Predictions, Andy P. I, I, um, well, this podcast is called For the Love of Pog. So if I predicted anything other than a Pog win, surely that would be wrong. I would love Pog to win. And I think he was saving himself in the um, tour of Emilia-Romagna, the Bologna one, which Rog won the other day. I think he was saving himself. For, well, he wasn't saving be- be- himself. Because this is a monument. I'm a so Pog he, man. So he'll want to win this because three, it's a monument. Three in a row for Pog. So you're going for Pog, Stu? Yeah. Who's in it? Pog, everybody, everybody, literally everybody, everyone. Well, God, it's got to be Pog. I know you said that, but I was yeah, going to say Pog. It's got to be Pog. Oh, oh, literally everybody. Two for Pog. I'm going to go Rog. Oh Rog looks good. Because yeah, he's Rog looks because good. he's he's got the bit between his teeth, yeah. and it's his last race for Jumbo. So um, yeah. I'm putting I'm putting a Rog in the mix. Uh, rog it, Rog it up. But we are rog talking about we are talking about uh, Tour de France. We we have started the chat. To continue our chat about uh, planning and plotting for next year's Tour de France, we have no. The, the, we think the course is. There's a lot. Well, the course has not been announced. It's this month, but uh, it's going to be announced this month. There's a lot to discuss. There we, is. We, this this couple of beers that we've had has opened up a number of talking points which need to be ironed out and thought through. Laws has brought some new things to the party. Good points, actually, about how we do it. And, where my head is at the moment is maybe we go a bit a bit simpler but easier this year to build up something bigger and better you know in the future but I think long term think long, long term, term this is almost like a little tester like Rishi Sunak obviously <laughs> long term <laughs> <laughs> well long term as in about the next oh, the bikes year oh, we've got to go the bikes are moving we've got to cut this we've got to shut this pod up this, this brief brief pod interlude back because our bikes are getting moved as we dream of summer in France. Over and out. So I have a question. What was going on with the bikes? Simple answer. Private party. Got moved on.
Nothing, no dramatic. No, no, nobody stealing them. Nobody trying to nick them. No one trying to eye them up. Nothing like that. It was. Uh, it's simply a very nice barman telling us that we uh, must move the bikes now, lads. Thanks. Yeah, they were sort of propped up in the entrance to the bar we were in, and and uh, they were making his bar of... looking very attractive, weren't they? they I mean, were. they were, you know. Beautiful. Yeah. I've got to say, second question then is: uh, you preferred a pint over pog as well? Then you know, meeting up to not watch the race but briefly to discuss the race. So what do we think then? Uh, Pog was pretty damn amazing, wasn't he, Andy? He was. Um, he was. He rode through. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't quite the, the the final, whatever it was, sort of 12K. It wasn't quite his usual, um, wasn't quite filled with his usual swash and buckle because he did, you know, just start to tie it with cramp, didn't he? So, um, you know, he was obviously in quite a lot of pain, but being a superhuman Galactico, he, uh, he pushed on through and... Um, you know, and he was more his ebullient self as he came down the finishing line. Yeah, it was a, it was an impressive win. And um, what uh, I didn't see the I don't, I don't think I saw that it was two years ago, wasn't he? Where he his first win, where he attacked, where he he got attacked down the hill, and his descent wasn't very good, and um, that they nearly lost it down that hill. And he's he's obviously um, worked very hard at that. So it was sort of um, a combination of classic pog with also a lot of hard work has gone in to make that descent absolutely perfect because that's where he drew out his advantage isn't it it was it was pretty amazing i thought he uh yes he clearly targeted that because he didn't have a very good experience a couple of couple of seasons ago i love the bit where just the build up to that where he was toying with rog on the climb wasn't he on, the, on that last climb and it was just sort of you thought what is he doing here and he was really trying to isolate him i thought he really was he skewered him in the end beautifully and uh, yeah. Rog just had to chase down all those attacks, and uh, he managed to tire him out fantastically. Well, he, he didn't. The, the, my prediction was woeful as ever, um, but I was just disappointed with Rog because he, it was like he was trying to play a bit of a game and let him go and let him do it and, and be really cagey, and then oh, I'll catch him on the descent. But he clearly didn't have it. But he really, he actually didn't chase that much down, which was a little bit disappointing. He sort of slowly gro- grinded it, grinded it, groaned it back. Um, and then when he got there, he didn't really have anything to give. So it was a bit disappointing. It was an odd performance from him, wasn't it? Because he, at times you thought, oh, he's he's playing it really nicely and he clearly has it. And then other times he didn't seem to have it at all. It was in that last 25K, you weren't really sure what he was doing, mm, really. Exactly. It was, it was yeah. a really odd performance from him, I, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think it was only going to be one word. I suppose the other disappointment was... Um, Evanapol, really? Just I didn't see the crash. Did he wasn't see the crash. I didn't, I see, didn't see the crash. No, and I don't know how much it took out of him. But it was a real. It was a real shame. And he seemed to be coming back. Then he dropped off. And then towards the end, they were only a minute behind, weren't they? In the little group, yeah. and, that he he had, and he was getting frustrated because he was actually looking quite strong on the front. And, yeah, and obviously no one was chasing with him. And Park had um, the uh, the cramps, didn't he? And you thought at one point, oh, was, was it about ten k to go? Yeah. Whacking his thigh, thinking, oh, could could you know could Evanapol really come back <laughs> here? But you do see that quite a lot. In cycling, where they get cramp, and and if I get cramp when I'm riding my bike, I'm I'm literally pulling over because I can't, you can't cycle. You can't and, stay on. Yeah, yeah. and I'm <laughs> just this game over. Got to get off. But yeah. you see that quite often, where they, they seem to be cramping up, and then within a couple of minutes, they've they've ridden through it, which is incredible, really. Are are you saying Pog was maybe faking it? I don't think he was faking it. I just think these immensely superhuman athletes just ride through that sort of stuff, don't they? Ride through the pain. It is unusual given their sort of fuel refueling and gels and all, you know, the carbohydrate drinks. You think it'd be pretty much impossible to to get cramp, really. But uh, 
yeah, he, clear, he clearly was struggling a little bit, end of the season and all that, and a lot of pressure on him. And I just thought it was a great win, though. And I love that course. I just love watching that race. Yeah. I think the parkour yeah, is absolutely glorious. It's beautiful. And uh, I don't know whether they do a sportive. I think we looked at this last, didn't we? Whether they did a sportive. They do do a sportive. It's not, it's not a, do. I don't think it's the full route, but it, they do do a sportive. Yep. Be a nice one to do. In the half term that we, no, that doesn't match up, does it? <laughs> you talk about a pre-half term ride. In the half term that kids <laughs> just have, make you, they don't just make your half term five weeks. That's what we should do. Yeah, then we maybe, could go. Maybe the kids go back to school after uh, Ride of the Falling Leaves, Ride of the Race of the Falling Leaves. Since we started this pog, pod, pod, pog, how many pog wins has, has he had since we started? Oh, so oh. you're putting us all on the spot pretty... here, right, to, to, to get us to come up with a fact. Um, uh, I don't know. That's a very good question. Uh, we could always we could, we'll we look could find out. Next one. One. <laughs> I'm going I'm to gonna... say f- five wins on on the purely on the basis that there's never been, this podcast has never been backward in coming forward in terms of just putting bullshit out there. So five. Oh, I'd six. I think it's six wins. Anybody else want to go any more? Different, different figure. At Just, least seven. Guess. At least seven. seven. Stu, well, how about eight? eight. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to actually check? No, I'm not going to check it now. I was going to say, well, excuse me. I'm going to spread pause no, and check don't it. Check. Well, you'd also have to know when we started this podcast. And to be honest, I've no <laughs> idea now. It's all a blur. <laughs> so, yeah. talk me through then. Uh, obviously, Maltby Street. Where, where on earth is that? What's that all about? What's Maltby Street Market? Where uh, you were having the pint? Food. It's an uh, it's an open food stall market in uh, Bermondsey, right next to the railway tracks, at the beginning of the kind of Bermondsey beer mile, or at the end, depending on which way you do it. And um, and there are multiple. I, th- I think again, based on the very strong record that track record that this. Um, podcast has in terms of facts i think there are upward of around ten thousand microbreweries now along the bermondsey what <laughs> easily easily <laughs> 10, easily ten thousand, <laughs> maybe more it, I talk- it, no it is it is incredibly busy incredibly packed um and as, as Stu said there are not a lot of bikes but your your bike got a bit of love Stu, if i remember someone was it does it does get a bit of love my bike it's um it's a remarkable bike let's say because it's an old school rally, um, and it's yeah, it's quite unusual. You don't, you don't see many of them, I don't think. Describe it. Well, it's like a it's like a burgundy or yeah, burgundy sort of like purpley frame uh, mixed with a bit of silver forks. Um, it's too big for me, really. It was my father in law's. He was six foot three, and my mother in law handed it down. He was a bit of a bike enthusiast. He quite a lot of bikes, too many bikes, according to his wife, but. Um, he, he gave up riding that one because it gave him a bad back eventually. But um, I liked it. I like the look of it. It's a classic. Um, I think he paid £400 for it back in the 1980s. Um, and he looked after it. And all I've done really to it is, is put new wheels on it and, you know, new sort of like a, you know, leather for the handlebars and what have you. But, yeah. And what I'd like about it, I was out on it yesterday and today, is that I can ride it around London without fear of it being stolen. So I was saying to to my friend today, you know, I go out with you guys or I go out with my other mate who's got a really nice uh, uh, limited edition, I think it's a red and black Brompton. You know, he, he went he went for the... Uh, chapter 3. Was, That's the Chapter 3 Brompton, I think, isn't it? 
Oh, is it? I don't know. But it's, yeah, yeah he, had, so. he had to go into a, into a ballot to get it. And he did. And he got offered loads of money as soon as he bought it. It went up in value. But when I go out with him, a bit like with you, Andy, you know, it goes everywhere with him. We went to the Imperial War Museum yesterday. He took it in. You know what I mean? And even though we locked it up in one of those those uh, those pram areas where you get a little key and a little cable, I was thinking, someone really wanted it, it'd be no problem to nick it. But no one's going to go into the Imperial War Museum and nick it. But my bike, I left it outside, parked up on, you know, on, on the bike rails. And that's the beauty of that bike. So my fear, if I do get a new bike, and Andy's very kind, he offered to uh, to build one for me. But, you know, if you get a frame that's worth, you know, four figures, the, the scary thing is you take it out and then, you know, I saw you two, you know, we went to the market. You don't, I get it, you don't really want to keep your bike out of sight because, you know, so all it takes is a second for someone to swipe it. Whereby I'm quite casual with that one. I don't think anyone's going to want to nick it because it's not worth much. But it's just a nice-looking old classic rally bike. It is a nice bike. Well, I think it, I think it's nickable actually. I don't want to. Oh, really? Obviously, that's not what oh, you want to well, hear. No. But um, yeah, I know. If you're describing um, an '80s rally bike, I think yeah, that somebody will cover that yeah. definitely. I just think um, yeah, maybe just in the wrong place. But I would have thought that would be eminently nickable. I think it was going to be nicked anywhere. Maltby Market would have been the, <laughs> would have been the place. Would have been yes. the place. It would have been nicked. <laughs> but aren't the bike thieves going for the, the higher end bikes, the brother, the ones they know that are in high demand? You know, the expensive carbon frames or the Bromptons, where there's a waiting list. Some are, yeah. I mean, there's probably some clued up bike thieves that do that. Yeah, um, Richmond Park in uh, last year, there was a spate of. Um, of people being knocked off their bikes by two two guys would approach them, uh, come side by side with them off on a scooter, push them off, and then the guy on the back of the scooter would get off, put the bike over his shoulder, and they'd drive off mm-hmm. on the scooter. And the, I can't remember his name, but there was a, a professional cyclist from a, one of the World Tour team who had his five or six grand bike. What, do you remember his name? No. Apparently, but he, yeah, thousand pound bike. Yeah, yeah thousand um, pound time trial biker yeah taken taken off him at uh like that absolutely awful i think to be honest i think Stu, they'll take anything uh but then there'll be there'll be some stuff to order but i think it's what could be taken um yeah. you know with a what's it called the angle grinder the mobile thing they've got their motorcycle helmets on they've got the moped nearby and yeah they'll just uh it takes 20 seconds and they're away and who's going to challenge someone who's got a rotating blade in their hands you know people don't tend to approach them that's the awful thing about it really and they'll do it in you know day in sight of lots of other people so it's it's awful yeah it's absolutely awful so keep it in uh keep it in view Stu. if i were you i wouldn't uh well i can't if i'm so. using it you know to go around and do stuff you have to leave it yeah. out of view sometimes if you're going shopping or doing stuff like going to a museum or going to for for a, you know a cup of coffee whatever you have to park your bike up somewhere so yeah, maybe I get sometimes even, it's not even the bike even cheaper than or worse. I don't know. Sometimes it's I'm not naive. even the uh, it's not even the bike being nicked. Sometimes though, is it? It's it's a part. Have you ever had, oh, have you ever yeah. had your saddle nicked? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had the saddle nicked. Yeah. <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good test for the thighs or other parts of your body on the way home. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the um, Brompton Stu. It's part of the reason I ha- I have a Brompton. I had Brompton for. 10, 15 years now, and I have only ever locked it outside once, which was outside St. Thomas's Hospital in Westminster. 
and I uh, hadn't had it that long and I locked it up and I thought I didn't really feel that great about it. I was inside for about 20 minutes and I came out and thought, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> so there's no point in having, I've got a fold up bike. I'll just take it with me everywhere. And I've, yeah. I've done that ever since. I don't have a lock with me and I just take it wherever I go. It's uh, it goes into everybody just goes under a table or a desk or whatever. So I never, I never lock it up. Well, to be honest, unless you've got a ridiculously, you know, I wouldn't lock a, you know, my kind of nicer road bike, I wouldn't lock that up outside. But to be honest, if you lock up with a decent D-lock and probably a um, a cable to go around your wheels, um, then, and lock it with where there are other bikes, mm. then, you know, probably four-fifths of the other bikes will be locked with a, a, t- a tiny piece of thick, tiny piece of string connected by a, um, a, a, um, one of those combination locks that they'll have never changed from the default of zero, 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 zero. <laughs> so <laughs> you, your bike, you know, in comparison with others, which is an awful thing to say, because then somebody's bike gets nicked, just not yours. But if you use a decent D-lock, I think there's a good chance he won't get nicked. Actually. I heroically had some, uh, I think it is actually, we all used to play for a football team called, called PA. And uh, it was after a PA Beery aftermatch do once or maybe even some sort of do anyway my bike was locked outside and uh heroically some other pub visitors chased down the people that nicked my bike and came back and when i came out to get the bike back i couldn't understand why it was inside the pub grounds i remember i said what's my bike doing there i said oh is this yours i said yes we saved it we got it back for you (laughs) couldn't believe it It it's like the most lovely thing ever Four blokes went and chased down some other people and got my bike back. I marched back into the bar, bought a bottle of wine and shoved it on the table. Which pub was this? The Stanley? No, it was one in the East End. It was more East. Was it when we were playing It was definitely some sort of PA footballing after after do. Yeah, somewhere. Can't remember. In the mists of time. Talking about those combination locks, I've been very, very lucky. I haven't had a bike stolen for a very, very long time. And uh, I remember I was cycling in into Leamington, Leamington Spa, I was about 14 or 15. And I put my uh, ra- a road bike that I had a racer at the time. And I had, you know, the little sort of very small, sort of almost like plastic looking oval locks with a little combination. And uh, I remember getting back to the bike and wondering why the lock just came off of my hands. And somebody clearly started to get almost, they got almost through it cutting through it hadn't quite done it must have been scared off and it came it came part of my hand so i managed my bike was saved so i managed to uh yeah that was my kind of close shave with having my bike stolen but that, that's the last time i think i can't remember oh apart from having it nicked out of the back of the shed in the garden yeah. which is a whole have different you, ball game i've got quite a few bike theft stories but we don't have time um <laughs> but have you ever have you ever had that this has happened to me once have you ever had that thing happen to you where, the, and this is apparently quite a common thing, whereas you get back to your bike locked up outside and somebody else has locked a bike to it? Oh, that's, yeah. And um, and they, no, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Oh. And I was at, I was at, um, I was in, uh, I was in Westfield Shopping Centre in Shepherd's Bush. And there's a lot of bikes, a lot. There's a lot of bike racks, a lot of bikes just outside. I'd locked my bike there, and so I got back, and somebody had locked a bike to it. So I looked around, and there were a couple of people kind of looking at me um, when I looked around. And um, and I left it, went back in to the chat to the security guard, and said, 
what can I do about this? You know, can you put an announcement out or something like that? Somebody has locked their bike to my bike. And he said, no, you just want to go back out there and watch because that's a common trick. Because what often happens is people come, they unlock their bike, and then they realize they can't get it out because somebody else has locked their bike. So they don't lock it back up and go away to try and find someone to help. And then their bike is nicked. Apparently, That's what happens. So I don't know, like one in three or one in four people do that and get their bike nicked. Most people probably don't. Um, but when, by the time I got back outside, the bike had gone. So strategic theft. Very clever. Strategic, yeah. So the bike that was locked to yours had gone and your bike was still there. My bike was still there because I hadn't unlocked it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. but that bike. Had yeah. Gone. So they'd obviously I, realized well, I wasn't. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling slightly naive now. And I'm, oh, to God, this podcast hasn't jinxed me. I'm going to get my bike nicked because I know, let's face it, we all know someone had bike nicked yeah. or the saddle nicked. But that does bring me on to the next thing. I remember I used to follow. Do you know if you, if you commute to work, especially in London, you often seem the same the same cyclist commuters. You used to, you see them coming home and going to work. I used to see a guy regularly who didn't ride with a saddle. He was clearly just like really into being uber fit, and he was cycling from South London to Central London. I'd see him often without a saddle, and he must have had the lungs of God knows what and the legs because he did it every day. And I'd wow. see him, I was thinking, God. I remember trying to do it for a bit once, not without the saddle, but just standing up riding for as long as you could. And it's a killer. It's a killer. That's absolutely Was it with the tube sticking out, or was it the yeah. whole tube and saddle off? So he could he could have perched himself right on the on the on the tube if he on wanted the edge of the to. Tube. <laughs> the edge of the tube. If he really needed to, he could have just just a little microsecond, or is it just the saddle and the tube is sticking out? The tube is sticking up, you know. Yeah. Now that now that makes me th- that makes oh, me question him that he might have even yeah. been, uh, but he did he, he wasn't into <laughs> like something else. No, he, honestly, he um he wasn't even wearing that. Fetish cycling. Fetish. Ah, how many days do you see him every day? Not every day. Okay. But you see him, you know, regularly. There's always a few I used to see. There was one guy that always, he was really, in, he's an old guy, really sort of quite hippie, quite in, he clearly into cycling and he cycled everywhere. That was his, you know, mode of transport. But he cycled in the middle of the road. He, no. cy- he was really weird. He was in the middle of the road, not quite in the middle, but like sort of 80% of the way to the middle of the road. And, you know, lots of cars would be like, you know, horning him and saying, get out the way. And he, he loved the, uh, the, the aggravation and he'd like go past me and he'd be effing and blinding but it's like <laughs> in a bit. he's like well this road's for everyone I'm cycling in the middle of the road and you know Mad cyclists of London yeah there's a, do you know what you remind there's a there's an organization in America I'm going to get this slightly wrong the the association of vehicle vehicular cycling or cyclists right who campaign not for cycling infrastructure but they campaign for people to be re- cycling to be respected as a form of transport. And therefore, you should do that. Cycle in the middle of the road. Take control of the road. Yep. Now, obviously, at certain junctions, you take your if you've got primary position, that's exactly what you should do. But their argument is no, you just will ride three or four abreast or one, whatever it is, because we are just vehicles who might be going slightly slower. Therefore, you just wait in line, mate. It's a bit of a, a bit of an odd, an odd thing, really. I think probably not that great. I think cycling infrastructure is better, but. Yeah, some people love the love the challenge. I think it always strikes me as those people just 
love to go to work thinking, well, I'm just going to not piss people off, but I'm just want to have an argument anyway. Yeah, but the problem is, it, it's, it's a fair you know? point because if you were driving a slow vehicle like a milk float or a, or a horse, but what would you 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 wouldn't be right across the other side, and you, you'd be the width, of, and people would have to go around you, and you wouldn't get them honking their horns. It'd just be you have to go around them. I'm generally so, on the side of the, the, the of cyclist, really. What's the average speed in London? Eight miles an hour. Exactly. You know, so what's 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 the big deal? You know, I I don't I don't really see a problem. Well, with it, it just wound it wound people up, and let's face it, we need to stop the winding up and the war between cyclists and drivers. So him doing that, we didn't need to do it. So I would overtake him, but I had I, I had a decision: do I undertake him or go onto the other side of the road to overtake him? I had to undertake him, and that that brings dangers with that as well. The highway code will say actually, if you milk float laws, a milk float's going around at four o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> hold on. Also, where where are these? Hold on, late. you might be this, late. You know, this is twenty twenty three. Where are these milk floats? Yeah, exactly. There are. There are we have my, I have milk delivered. There's not many, though, are there? They're not. They're not. They're not all out there at four a.m. But no, look, there's a valid point there because there are increasingly more slower forms of transport of electrical vehicles like that to doing local trans local distribution. So you know, it's not that stupid. I was going to say something then. You've got off completely. Lost it. Hold on, it's going to come back to me about the uh, going round cycling in the middle of the road. Yeah, but it was about that. Yeah, it was. um, We could we could just have a bit of silence though, couldn't we? Don't worry, I will edit this bit out. No, no but four in bit, the morning. It was a four bit, in the morning. Uh, electric vehicles. Uh, no milkman uh, anymore. Uh, 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 oh no! The highway code, I think, does say if you are caught, if basically you are causing a tow. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> we, if you are, we waited, we waited for the highway code. Hold on. I mean, hold it's on. not a, you know. Pop, pop down to the pub, open up with that one and see how far you get. <laughs> there's some, there's something about if you are causing the obstruction, then you move over to let other vehicles pass or something like that. Depending, I think there's some Article four, lines. paragraph <laughs> C. Uh, <laughs> uh, but generally I'm on the, you know, well, you could just wait, can't you? You can, like you say, if it was a, um, another car, you know, no one seems to be bothered about just moving in, going in slow moving traffic behind other cars, do they? When it's a cyclist or some, or a horse or something else, they get really annoyed. It's like you're getting in their way. And oh, uh, this debate is so hard yeah. though, isn't it? This debate is so hard. Is so hard. Well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with Stu really. Because Wales is now 20 miles an hour and all, mm. and let's face it, in all everywhere, everywhere, blanket, <laughs> blanket 20 miles. You can't go faster than 20 miles an hour anywhere. In Wales. The A5, the M54. <laughs> 20 miles an hour on the M54. 20 a lot of cyclists can easily do over over 20. Yeah. So, you know, are they going to get aggro now with some of the cars because, you know, they're holding them up? No That's speed limit. Better, though, isn't it? Yeah. No speed limit for cyclists. Shall I give you a pog fact? Oh, go on then. I've worked it out. Oh, oh so, Okay. So this is, hold on, so just remind ourselves that this was the number, since we started this podcast, which was 24th of Liège, in, in April, yes, yeah. so tw- since the 24th of April, how many professional wins has Tadej Pogacar had? Now, are we calculating that as stage wins and uh, race wins? Because I think if you calculate, I, I think a, a stage win counts as coming first. In a race, they're all race. They're all individual races, aren't they? Yeah. Do you want to know the number? So hold on. So I said. So Andy said five. Uh, I said six. Loz said seven. Stu said eight. And the answer is five. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
He asked the question because he'd bloody checked beforehand, didn't he? That's what it was. He knew the answer. I asked the question. Oh, no, you asked the question. I was asked the question. <laughs> but, but if we'd have started the, the, this, I mean, you look back at, look back at Pog, mm. we're at the end of the season, so we're looking back at Pog season. If you look back, if we'd have started this Pog, I keep saying Pog, if we started this pod, the podcast, yeah, podcast <laughs> one month earlier, it's insane. Uh, when did we say it started? 24th of April. You, you can count How on many lot. extra would he have won? Uh, five, another five. Correct. No, six. Wow. Oh my goodness. Actually, no, no, I take that back because I'm counting too many classification things there. So he won that general classification. Actually, no, it's not. It is. Uh, sorry. It's going to be disappointing now, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not actually. It's, it's still pretty close. It's four. Four. Okay, so, so he's, he's won amazing. nine professional races this season. No, that's since the beginning. No, oh, he's, been, he's won way more than that. He's won way more than that. It's ridiculous what he won. So, so he had the whole... His April, first... April and October, since we did this podcast, it's it's five. Yep. Correct. So he'd won, more, he'd won more than five up until April, so in the, in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Well, he had, he, until he went... Which, um, which race did he come off and... The age when he broke his wrist. That it was, was the age, age yeah. I mean, it was all yeah, set up for him and Evenepoel, wasn't it? DNF because he 20th. he had the most. Um, he'd had the he'd won pretty much everything he'd competed in before then. So he, his first win of the season was the I don't know this race the Giant Parisio Interior. Then he won one, Trying. two, three, three stages in the general classification in the uh, Ruta Ciclista del Sol, and then he won. One, two, three in, uh, and then the general general classification Paris Nice. Mm. Uh, then he had the run of Tour of Flanders, Amstel Gold, Flesh Wallone. Amazing. And then he didn't finish at Liège. Yeah. Incredible. Yes, it was all being set up, wasn't it, for the most mm. phenomenal season, really? And uh, that that one crash should have no. Who knows what form we would have gone into into the tour? Yeah. So, so, so basically, start the season like that. To then return without the fitness for the tour and to do what he did in the tour, and then to basically come back and then finish with the monument win at the end. I mean, yeah, what it'd be season. amazing in the world championships as well. As what you know, oh, all of that. Yeah, incredible. Well, that's why we uh, we have named it for the love of Pog because yeah. we do love, love him it. enormously. Do I? Know, should we move us on? I was, Andy, oh, Andy. Uh, well, I was going to move. I was going to move us on, but you've got the official agenda. So no, wait, but do you have another agenda? What have you got? What do you want to talk about? Well, the only other agenda item that that was making me think about was how long we've now got to wait for a proper bike race again, which is um, a really, given the weather outside, absolute storm. Babette has arrived in London, um, and the temperature has taken a massive plunge ma- over the past few months. Oh, you've got the oh you damn you beat me to it i was thinking there is a psychic link here storm matt barbette yeah <laughs> <laughs> a very weak cycle i've been thinking about it all day every time it came up storm matt barbette <laughs> <laughs> only commentates on the tour of britain <laughs> yes <laughs> well where are we now we're middle of october so we've got yep. uh, all obviously all November December. When, when does a when does a tour down under start? Uh, well, I don't really, can't, don't don't really count, count that. that. So I suppose the, the, what's the date, Lars? Do a quick because you're on the internet there. What is the date for um, om, omelette hot news blood? When's the uh, when's that one? Oh God, you're challenging me now. That's February, uh, isn't it? 
I'm gonna, February, I'm gonna, end of February, towards the end of February, I think. I suppose in answer to your question while I was looking for that, Andy, it's a bloody long time, really, until then. What, what are we going to fill these podcast airwaves with? Well, there's then? always cyclocross. <laughs> <laughs> the Discuss. only thing I'm interested in, the only thing about cyclocross I'm interested in is which absolute genius of cycling it's next going to throw up. That's the only thing that's surely just a feeder sport for road cycling. You see, I want to like cyclocross yeah. more. Because of the format, it's an hour. It's it's easily watchable. I still want to go and watch a stupid Belgian cyclocross muddy race and drink the beer and be in where they have them going through the tunnels and you're there shouting at everybody. And I think I think that would be a day trip. If if ever we're gonna do a pre tour trip during the winter, I'm up for getting on the train and going off to northern France and Belgium or whatever. I'm doing that for a day trip because uh, I've always wanted to do it. Because I think going to watch it yeah. is way more exciting than watching it on the TV because you see the start of the race within 100 pedal strokes, it's the it's game over. It's whoever's got out first. It depend, you know, the first three people are ahead and then it doesn't change. And I'm like, well, what's, there's no, unless you're going to watch the head-to-heads with the big the big three, with Pidders and Van Aert and Van Der Poel. Um, but generally, it's not that exciting. But I think being there would be exciting. Yeah. You've I made it sold. Good. I, I was just going to say, you've, uh, you saw, I think Stu looked like he was going to organise it. So uh, let's do it. I think <laughs> this, is, this is it. This will sustain us through the, uh, through the winter. Yeah. Let's do it. When is it? Well, it's cyclocross season starts now. I mean, it's 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 starting to kick in. So, uh, if you want to do a quick nip down to Hearn Hill on a, a, a during the week as well, they have the the Hearn Hill Velodrome has their regular uh, cyclocross events throughout the winter. Let's do it. Here's a question for you then: Which sports are much better to watch live rather than watching on the TV? Well, not not road cycling, obviously. <laughs> I mean, True. it's great to watch, but True. over quite fast, unless you're on a circuit. Unless you're on a circuit bit, yeah. yeah. On a circuit and have access to a screen to watch the uh, yeah, watch the, watch the race unfold. Well, the, well really. Tour of Flanders is amazing to watch live. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed the velodrome that time. I, went, I think what were you guys? The yeah. velodrome. That was good. I did see that the, the UCI uh, track league is back at, at Stratford. Um, I was going to suggest that as a... Because that is a good night out, actually. I'd be up for that. So we've got... We've got a, a a weekend or a night away at least in Belgium for a cyclocross with bobble hats, with bobble hats and beer, and a um and a, a night at the uh, at the Lee Valley Velodrome. Yeah, what else? Bring it yeah. on. Well, and then we have a Hearn Hill Velodrome for cyclocross has sort of wet our appetite for our. Well, we for all our signed Belgian up to Tour of Flanders, didn't we? I can imagine the uh, watching the BMX might be quite interesting live. Rather Never than seen that live actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in both thing. it's both it's well say both but certainly in the race but also in the um what's it called where they do the free the free sort of style uh you know stunts on the ramp that, that might be quite interesting to watch freestyle i don't know i don't I'm know we um, don't know much about cycling on this no point. no nothing at all <laughs> certainly know nothing about bmx but yeah that could be good that could be good to watch uh are you do you mean all sports or just well yeah all two-wheeled sports. So, you know Sometimes I think the TV experience is, is arguably better, mm. especially if you've got to get out of get out of somewhere like Wembley. God, you know, oh. it's worth it. 
I think mo- most sports, probably well, a lot of sports are better to watch on the TV. I think if you're live, it depends how if you have a vested interest in it, isn't it? It depends if you're yeah. if you're on if you're there to to support your particular team or a particular player. Um, I think I prefer t- tennis. I've watched tennis live, and I don't. I can I can watch tennis on television, but tennis live I think is a better experience, even if you're not bothered about the about the game. I'd say that one, definitely. I'd still rather go to a. I'd still rather go and see football. I'd still rather go to the stadium. It's just so expensive, so expensive. I don't know. Sometimes when you go to the stadium, and yes, the atmosphere is good, but you do see how it can be quite boring. Yeah. Yeah. Can be. I have to say, if you're part of your Nottingham Forest tribe, then I can see, it, and you're sitting, you're or in that away end or whatever, then that's different. But yeah, watching, yeah, Forest against Charlton. They know. don't play Charlton now, Stu. Well, they could do in the FA Cup. Well, they could, but you know, nil nil. You know, not for the <laughs> What division are Charlton in these days? My my mate is a season ticket holder. There At Charlton Athletic. Yeah, he goes. League I've been one. a couple of times with him. I think it's one. Yeah. One. Hold on. Is that League One? Which so that's is old. Division Three. The yes. old Division Three. Okay. I once went for a job interview at Charlton Athletic. Oh. And it's the only job interview I've ever been to where there was a dog in the interview room. And he was called, <laughs> it was a whippet called Mouse. And it's the club secretary's <laughs> dog. And uh, actually- I basically stroked the dog's head during the entire interview. Oh. Yeah. Very nice grey whippet called Mouse. Probably probably quite relaxing in an interview to have a dog it was very it was very relaxing and the only other time i've been for a um, a meeting it was at a school in in birmingham this is years later and the school had a, a school dog school lab as a labrador and when i went into the head teacher's office the dog walked across to me and basically greeted me <laughs> the oh. door <laughs> and uh, sat down with me while i chatted to the head teacher which again was amazing i thought this is so nice yeah. took me on a tour of the school your- and then the dog went round with us, and she would take the dog home at night. How about that? Yeah. Very nice. More, more dogs in offices, I think. That's uh, that's the lesson. Dogs here, in offices. Yep. <laughs> dogs in offices. Definitely um, not quite addressing the question of which sports are better on telly. <laughs> we drifted a bit. Uh, Do you have an answer to your own question? Well, I've not been to all the sports. So, <laughs> okay, but I think you can still answer it. Uh, if you follow your team, your football team, then you can't beat going to the away game, definitely. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to watch something like an England friendly at Wembley, it's just completely pointless. The whole experience of it. Tennis, yeah, take it or leave it. Never going to watch darts before. I can imagine that's a bit of a hoot. <laughs> yes. dart, 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 is that even I would love to go to the darts. Yeah. I would I have to say darts that would be good. Ten pints down, yeah. Well, darts, is it a sport? Discuss. <sighs> or is it a pastime? Anyone a read game. Ned Bolton's book on darts? I know, I knew you were gonna go there. It, it, no. Is darts well is it, well, is darts like a mini javelin? Because it's a javelin. <laughs> Javelin's a sport, so darts is like a mini just a little But would it's javelin like be stand, better? It's like would stand. javelin be better with the massive dartboard? <laughs> it's like standing yeah. mini surely darts is standing mini javelin. I don't think javelin is a pub game though. I don't see it as a pub game. You need an enormous beer garden, wouldn't you? Enormous, <laughs> enormous beer well, garden I'm... with a massive board. Well, and if I'm honest, preferably no beer as well. 
Dart is more fun than javelin. Come on. Imagine yeah, doing javelin. 180 with a javelin. <laughs> Field sorry, sports didn't, sorry you didn't get the gold. You didn't get a bullseye in your last throw, so you're going to have to yeah. <laughs> Treble 20. <laughs> I can't think of a javelin player, but it would be a javelin player, a javelin thrower. But, uh, you know. Before we go, before we, yeah, proposition, because school holidays this year for Christmas, um, I think give us an extra week. So, of course they uh, do. Back back to the school holidays again. Back to the previous (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Thursday, the 4th of January. It's the nearest race that is to sort of Calais. Uh-huh. Which is the uh, Coxide one, which is the one on the sand, which I've, which is a really bonkers race. Uh, Thursday, the fourth of January, I'm putting it Ooh. out there. Oh, nice. let's do it, do it, do it. Let's do it. Just making that suggestion there. What's the actual place? You you said Coxide. I can't believe that's the name. Coxide, which is K O K S I J D E. I'm oh, sure okay. I'm pronouncing it correctly. I mean... Coxide. Well, shall we go Coxide? The other side of Christmas. Yes. Okay. Let's have a look. Let's do the let's do the logistics. Right. Well, and then after we come back from that, it would be about six weeks to Newsblad. So we'd be we'd have a you know we'd have a run into the new cycle season. Sounds perfect. To I me. thought you were going to say it'd be six weeks to the next half term, which it would be, wouldn't it? That's be, well, be the case. <laughs> now apparently only ever three or four. Right. Are we so we uh, should we call it a day there? Yeah, nothing else. Indeed. Okay. Bye 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 bye.